0: You're listening to episode 22 of the Week at the Runs podcast. In this episode, we'll talk about group training and marathoning for idiots with David Levine. Welcome to the Week at the Runs podcast. We're your hosts, Letty and Angela, and we invite you to join us as we talk about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make running a favorite part of your life. Hey, runners. Hey, runners. Welcome back to another episode. Hello, Angela. Hi, Letty. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing so far so good. That's awesome. So, Halloween is coming up. Have any fun plans? It's next week. That's right. I have fun plans for the kids. Liana, my daughter, is going to be Ariel. Ariel. And Kai is going to be a dinosaur. Oh, how adorable. What about you? Are you going to dress up? <laughs> no. Moms don't dress up anymore. <laughs> I it's wish so it'd be true. kind of fun to go to a party.
1: But That would be fun, but I
0: guess there's not too many parties going on. Not this year, no. Unfortunately not. But then again, would you trust somebody to give you candy right now and go from house to house? That's such a good point. Here's your COVID candy. COVID candy. So something funny. My grandma, what she's going to be
1: doing for Halloween is she's going to be creating, you know, when you go to the baseball games and they shoot out the shirts? Yes. So she's going to be shooting out the candy. Oh. (laughs) Because of COVID, she doesn't want the kids coming up to the house. And and Halloween is a really big deal on her street. So she's going to be shooting the candy out to the kids.
0: Oh, that's so funny. Right? That's going to be funny. Hopefully she doesn't hit anyone.
1: Yeah. I think her plan is like to do it kind of in the air. So then it will land and then they can kind of pick it up from the floor if they catch it or
0: I don't know, something cute. <laughs> she better start practicing. It's such a good point. <laughs> you better tell her Angela, otherwise it'll be a lawsuit. <laughs> oh Let no. Go out of again, everything's about a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh well.
1: Okay, let's listen to one of our reviews. So today's review is from Stephanie 432 and she says she loves listening to our podcast she finds us very inspiring and enjoys all of our interesting and new information that she learns each week
0: that's awesome thank you so much Stephanie for your review and if you guys want to leave us a review on iTunes we greatly appreciate it as always as we always tell you this helps our visibility and helps our podcast grow okay so what will we be talking about today Letty? Today, we're going to talk about running in groups with our special guest, David Levine.
1: Running in groups, we're going to be interviewing David Levine. David Levine is the author of Group Training and Marathoning for Idiots. So he'll be sharing some valuable information about what it's like to run in groups, the benefits, the pros, the cons, all that great information in addition to some really awesome marathoning
0: tips. Yes, and he'll also tell us how it is possible to train in groups since it goes against everything everybody's coach tells you. Every coach always tells you that training needs to be individualized to be efficient. And um obviously not all of us have either the budget or the time for a coach. So uh, running running in groups is possible with a coach and he will tell us how to do that. So let's talk about who um, David Levine is. David
1: Levine is the co-author of Complete Idiot's Guide to Marathon Training, which came came out in 2012. He's a certified Level 2 coach with U.S. Track and Field and a Level 2 coach with U.S. Triathlon. He is also a level 1 coach with Roadrunners Club of America. He's a 3-time Ironman and a 77-time Marathoner. He has coached and organized the City of Angels Half Marathon Training Group, now USA Marathon Training, for 14 seasons and continuing. Most of the experienced runners in that group and under his leadership have achieved multiple personal records... He's coached weekly track workouts for the LA Running Club. He's also been involved in team and t- Team and Training Triathlon Group, amongst other groups.
0: All right, so without any further ado, here is our interview with David Levine. So I'm here with David Levine, a uh, running coach that's very well known in the LA community. Welcome, David, and thank you for joining me.
2: Hi. It's good to be here.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, starting with who you are, where you're from, and what do you do for a living?
2: Well, I I haven't really figured out who I am yet, (laughs) but maybe that'll come in another 50 years or so. But um, I I actually do have a full-time job working at Sony, which enables me to do all those kind of exciting things that I do after hours with coaching and that kind of thing. Um, I'm a level two coach with USA Track and Field and a a level two certified coach with USA Triathlon. And both of those are in the endurance category. You specify when you get to level two. And, you know, you can do uh, hurdles or throws or I'm in endurance. And uh, I wrote the complete co-wrote, co-wrote. The Complete Idiot's Guide to Marathon Training, which was in several countries about, I wanna say it came out about eight years ago. I coach a group called USA Marathon Training in Griffith Park, and I help out with coaching the LA Running Club and um, SBRC, South Bay Running Club. And I had a hand with many others in starting all three of those clubs. So um, I guess you could say I've been around. (laughs)
0: You have been around. Yeah. And I definitely recognized your face during basically all my marathons. Whenever I used to live in LA, any kind of marathon that was either local or close by, I would always see your face and you always had something good to say, always a nice tear. So I'm sure not just myself, but all the runners appreciate that.
2: I enjoy standing on race courses and yelling and screaming at runners. It's a thing I do.
0: And you still do that during your track meets. And um, from what Mm -hmm. I know right now, you're doing a lot of uh, group trainings, but as well as weekly track workouts. And Mm -hmm. um, so that basically brings me to my question and the topic for today, which is um, training in groups. How are you able to efficiently train individuals and groups? when we all know that everybody's um, needs may differ?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I'll, I'll tell you something interesting before I answer your question, then I'll answer your question. The, I, I have always said that the one size fits all schedule doesn't fit all, and for those it fits, it doesn't fit for long. And the, the, the reason for that is is that you, everyone, even who can run at the same ability level, will grow and adapt and get stronger or faster, or both, at different levels, because we are individuals, we are all different, and um, uh, it it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter what race, creed, color, whatever it is we're we're all individuals. and um, the the simple solution, the simple answer is if you have a schedule that says you need to train Tuesdays and you have a child that you have to be with all day Tuesday and work all day Tuesday, you can't do that schedule and do that run on Tuesday or whatever that workout is. So that's the simple thing. But also people start overtraining. And I saw this as an epidemic with non-pro athletes here in Los Angeles where people, as a matter of fact, I once was in a position to ask all, all the PACE leaders, this is years and years ago, about a decade ago, the pace leaders with the LA Roadrunners. And I asked all the pace leaders, about 90 of them, there was a huge volume back then. There were like 2000 Roadrunners, there were about 90 pace leaders, it was just massive. Every week was like another race, kind of, you know. At any rate, I asked them, how many of you get fatigued? Just this malaise of fatigue that envelops your life all day for weeks on end, as you build and build and build like the three quarter way toward a marathon. All their hands went up except two. One was the water station person, you know, and one was another pace leader. But basically there was an epidemic of overtraining going on. And it exemplifies how even people who are knowledgeable are, are doing it a little wrong. They were slowing down and becoming more and more fatigued, not becoming, adapting, and getting stronger and stronger and stronger. They were kind of fighting through. Did that make sense?
0: Completely, yeah.
2: So even the individual, you know, when you have a a, a private client, you have to see are they getting better or are they plateauing or are they even getting worse like those pace leaders were. And, you know, you have to adapt the schedule, even when you have a whole plan, a whole schedule for that individual, you may need to change it all. And I've done that numerous times where someone just wasn't building, you, you need to change the schedule. So there need to be like races or faster runs or test runs built into your schedule. So you can see, are you getting better? are you getting worse, are you plateauing and you don't wanna plateau, you wanna be getting better. So, now, now for your question, how do you do that? That's tough enough with an individual. Now how the heck do you do that with a group? <laughs> That's like, you know, rip your hair out kind of stuff. I, for Griffith Park Group, USA Marathon Training, um, I used to do beginner, intermediate, and advanced schedules for LA Running Club, and I still do, and, and I'm changing those. But for Griffith Park, we have, um, we've been pace leading, we've been the official pace leaders for races now, like Malibu Half Marathon, which I highly recommend people sign up for their virtual race just as a quickie plug, um, even though I don't get paid by them at all, but they're a wonderful race and I'd love to see them continue. Uh, and we are the official pace leaders for it but we have every 15 minutes another pace leader so we have groups in our training camp for every 15 minutes right so i've created a schedule for each of those 15 minute finish time groups so it would be like hour and a half finish time hour 45 2 hours 215 2 hours 30 each one of those has a different group in our training camp now The slower groups, I find, cannot do as much speed work. Here's the thing, my theory, and I've not really heard this, but it just so makes sense from an empirical view, just what I see, people are slower, has zero to do with motivation. The most motivated people I've ever met in my life are some walkers, people who cannot run. I mean, just serious motivation, I've seen them lying on their back at the end of a marathon. They've done it. They, they've pushed themselves to the hilt. They're out in the cold rain and storms. It's has nothing to do with motivation. People who are slower are slower because they're tighter um, and they're not quite as strong in areas where they need to be strong, like your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes especially, that kind of thing. Um, especially tightness slows people down so I find that there's a greater risk of injury for those who are slower so they they're not really able to do as much speed work so normally with somebody who's doing less all right this is getting very technical and mathematical but I apologize for this boring diatribe but um, for those doing less than 60 miles a week, keep in mind pro athletes will do up to 140 miles a week. But those doing less than 60 miles a week, you probably want to get about 80% at, of your total volume at less than marathon race pace. Now, I can go in a long reason why, but less than marathon race pace, you're, you're really working what we call endurance. It's just a general term, endurance, take you farther. Um, The 20% is speed work. Over 60 60 miles, then you get into like 85, 85, 15, because you're doing so much, you don't want to just beat yourself up with too much high intensity work. But, okay, now let's get back to slower people. Slower people, as you come down with each one of these 15 minute increments for a half marathon distance, um, I give them like 5%. Less high-intensity work, or two and a half percent, less high-intensity work, because the slower you are, the tighter, weaker you are, the more susceptible you are to injury. So there is that element to group training that I have found personally necessitates reduced injury. And we have very few injuries because of that. You know, Faster people can, can recover quicker, that's why they're faster. You know, they're, they're le- slightly less susceptible to injuries as long as they're not building too quickly. So I don't know if that completely answered your question, but hopefully a little bit. It um, does
0: answer it a lot because... um. From what I remember when I ever was in a big group, it was basically everybody getting together no matter how fast or slow you were and just saying, we're gonna do this distance. There wasn't as much detail as you're describing now. So I think you might also be approaching it in a much better way than most trainings that happen in groups, most group runs that happen by us people that are not
2: coaches. Thanks, you know, I will tell you one more thing. Um, And that's that I have never told a group to speed up. I have regularly told a group to speed slow down. And that's where they're really getting their endurance, their ability to go farther. And because of it, our group in Griffith Park has consistently had about a 60% PR rate, meaning people are getting faster with every race we train for um, at about a level of 60%. Two years ago, LA Marathon was more like 70%. And that's like ridiculous, that, that, that we don't, I, I never mentioned PR rates until after the race, how'd you do? And we all get together and we show of hands and like almost everybody's hand will go up as having a PR, those who are experienced marathoners. So getting a majority, most people just train too fast. They don't get that endurance by going low intensity. That's a huge mistake right then and there. And I could go on and tell more and more stories about other groups. And it's just so clear to me that we non-pro athletes, we beat ourselves up. We do too fast. We do too much. And we need to hold back.
0: That makes sense. No, I mean, it completely makes sense to... Think of it as you're, you might be doing a group run, but just because you're doing a group run doesn't mean that everybody has the same thing going on on their schedule. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So for a person that receives a group training schedule, what is the best thing that person can do for themselves by taking the schedule? How can a person take that schedule and individualize it for him or herself?
2: The, the, the real simple answer, and I actually read this in someone else's book, a great a great um, coach named Jack Daniels, having nothing to do with the the drink. But um, he even wrote in his first chapter is a schedule needs to be survivable. You know, I mean, you you have to, like I said, if if you're booked up all day long Tuesday, you can't have a workout on Tuesday. I mean, that's just the simplistic answer. So it has to be something that you're able to do.
0: And in that same way, um, I know that you do track workouts via Zoom. Can you, one, describe to us how those work? And then, two, explain to us, and I'm assuming you also have those be a little bit more individualized by the person?
2: Well, the cool thing about track on Zoom is that, you know, there are people who are slower who view themselves from how others view them and they label themselves as slow or in some negative thing, and they're not. Um, I've always said pro athletes, from a psychological perspective, pro athletes will look at how they affect the world. Most of us non-pro athletes look at how the world affects us. So slow runners will look at how the world views them as opposed to how they affect the world. Actually, the reality is, is the way they affect the world is they're very inspiring. In fact, one of the faster runners I know who runs with us at Santa Monica High School track, when we had a get together Santa Monica High School track, which lasted 24 years, and I was at for almost 15 years, um, he wanted to become a walker because he was so inspired by the walkers. You know, I've heard, I've heard um, pro Kenyan runners, world-class athletes, talk about how impressed they are with slower runners and walkers because they're out there really pushing the endurance for as long as they do, you know? Um, But for some reason, we know pro athletes don't look at how we affect the world, which is impressive as heck. We look at how the world affects us, something we need to change, but, That said, the nice thing about Zoom is you're on your own, you're seeing me, and while you run, you just hear me. Um, If you have earbuds or a headphone, it helps. But even just cranking up the volume on your cell phone, you hear me the entire time, which in my way of thinking, sounds like a nightmare, having to listen to me (laughs) throughout an hour track workout, But I'm telling stories and I'm working on form and the individual runner only has to focus on themselves and not on anybody else. So they don't have to feel slow. There's no competition going on. They don't have to get excited by, oh, I'm so fast. Oh, my God, somebody passed me by. You know, none of that. Um, We do have to worry lately about it getting dark and finding an area where there's light, you know, like a parking lot or something and not tripping over things but in general it's been a really good i've been getting a lot of good feedback um we use a metronome that they can hear clicking to work on running form and rhythm which um, i'm i just heard a couple of people say has changed their ability it made running so much easier with quicker shorter stride which is important element of running form but um, so that's it's so much more individualized, and yeah, you hear me, every week I tell these inspirational stories that fit a theme. Um, tomorrow night, I'm going to tell an inspirational story about a giant leaf. It sounds ridiculous, but night, <laughs> tune in and how that psychologically will, will have implications on your running.
0: So just to clarify, um, in order for sure. any of our listeners or myself to participate in this Zoom run, I have to mm-hmm. have my phone attached to, um, or, you know, wireless speaker, sort of. Okay, so any kind of headphone works, plugged in, and then how does that sure. work? Do you give the athletes an idea of what the run will entail? So for example, you say, okay, tonight we're going to do five 800s, and then how do you do it timing-wise? Because as you know, you have faster people, slower people-
2: um, yeah, yeah, well, by the way, you could just raise the volume on your cell phone and when you hold it in your hand, which if you could plug it on, pl- clip it onto yourself somewhere so you don't have, so your hands are free, that's better, but just cranking up the volume on your cell phone would work alone. You know, not as good as the earpiece or the headset, but anyway, uh, yeah, we go by time. Everything is timed, so it doesn't matter how fast or slow you are. Um, you know, we all end and stop and start at the same time. So you'll get like a minute repeat or a minute and a half repeat, and then you get a minute, right now I'm giving a little more time for recovery because it's so early in the season. So maybe you'll get a minute and a half run at about 10K, 5K pace, and then you'll get a minute and a half walk and then jog, depending if you're a walker, you just keep walking, but really, really slow it down. Um, So it's all individual, paced by your ability and by time. So it'll just starts and ends at the same you know, intervals. I might give like as much of a six minute threshold run, go, you know, six minutes and I'll say you're a minute into your six minute run and then I'll go back to some story about something. You're two minutes into your six minute run, you know, that kind of thing.
0: It definitely makes it easier also because most people don't have access to a track nowadays. So instead of having them do 800 meters, doing a, or whatever equivalent of six minutes is, having them do a six minute run is probably a much better idea than anyway.
2: Sad to say, you're right. All the schools are closed. Yeah. yeah. And probably for safety, good, safe reasons, but sad that we have to have them closed. Right. You know?
0: That's interesting. Um, yeah. So we'll definitely provide our listeners with a link to your Zoom meeting so they can um, on right. Wednesday evenings participate in that.
2: I, I should say all they need to do is just click on the link they're in. And uh, it's free. It's sponsored by the LA Running Club. They sponsor the Zoom channel. So, But there are a lot of other groups that actually help facilitate like what you're suggesting on um, the LA Tri Club, LA Leggers, USA Marathon Training, South Bay Running Club, Malibu Half Marathon, um, all promoted. So it's just getting, it's kind of growing a little. And
0: are those Zoom meetings available to listen to for people that may not live in your same time zone? Are they available to listen to through another link somewhere?
2: Uh, we do, uh, same link. But we do have someone in Washington, D.C. that does our workout. It's a little later their time, three hours, but different. But we do have people all different places who do our workout. So, yeah, you just click on the link wherever you are in the world.
0: That sounds awesome. So to go back to... um To go back to a little bit about what you said with the group running, I wanted to ask you, since you've seen so many people, for the newer runners, what are the most common problems that you see people struggle with when they begin running?
2: So the beginner immediately is working harder than the more advanced athlete. That's the biggest thing that advanced athletes don't understand about beginners is they're already struggling from moment one. And the beginner needs to slow down even more than the advanced. Already the advanced are doing too much often that leads to overtraining, retraining too fast. But the beginner amplifies that. You know, the beginners wanna jump up too quick so they get injured sometimes um they may be weak or tight in some areas because they haven't been running before they so they absolutely whatever the problems of the pro athlete and the advanced athlete the beginner athletes multiply that um they need to start slower just walk walking is a wonderful thing this way to start just start engaging muscles you know if you've been sitting on a couch for a long period of time just walk and then throw in ten seconds of running. And after a couple of weeks, you know, throw in twenty seconds and thirty seconds. And pretty soon you'll you'll be getting better and better and better, stronger and stronger and stronger, less risk of injury. You'll build endurance, which is so critical to being able to do a longer period of high intensity. You know, you can't really do much of a track workout if you don't have any endurance. The endurance comes from the slow work. So that the beginner has no slow work. They need to just slow it down.
0: It does make a lot of sense, though, when you're explaining it with um, how difficult something feels when you're new at something. And um, along oh, the yeah. lines, since you have so much experience, as you mentioned earlier, you wrote a book called The Complete Idiot's Guide to Marathon Training. And so along the lines, is this a book for beginners or is this also for more advanced runners?
2: It's more geared toward like beginner intermediate.
0: And can you tell us a little bit about the book, and um, let us know what oh. is in the book, what parts there are to it?
2: it? It really does start with the first bare simplicities of marathon training, like get the proper clothes. You know, I mean, we we all, you know, you get the nylon, the poly, the the, the nylon shorts or whatever they, you know, um, the polyester shorts and the polyester shirt and the, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then it talks about science and some of the things I've touched on briefly. Um, and then it goes into, you know, even toward the end, psychological elements of what do, you, what do you do when your goal, you know, the wonderful thing about a marathon is it gives you a goal, which is in the book. And some of the happiest people I know are people with a goal. But the problem is, is once you finish that goal, it's, it's probably the most definitive end to a goal you could ever have in your life. You cross a finish line, which defines the end of your goal. You get a medal around your neck, which defines the success of your goal. And then in email or on paper, in the mail, you, you get a, a, pl- a diploma kind of thing that even signifies, you could put it on a wall that says you completed your, your goal. But the problem is what happens when you're done? You know, my wife did 52 marathons in one year to raise money for cancer. And after that, it was this horrific, amazing, amazing goal. But after that, it was this horrific experience of, well, now what the hell do I do with my life? It's over, you know, it becomes kind of depressing. Um, So we we talk about that. And the the simple answer is, get another goal, you know, (laughs) find something, I've, I've found that people who do marathons suddenly come up with this realization that the world is, is available. There are so many things that they could do they never dreamt they could do before. And it becomes, I, I, I knew one person went into molecular biology after completing a couple of marathons, simply, and no one in her family had ever gotten a college degree just simply because she got this idea in her head, well, you know, if I can do a marathon, I don't look like a Kenyan, you know, I don't look like a fast food, but if I can do that, maybe I can do this. And she did, she became a doctor, you know, first college graduate in her family. Um, so there's an element of that in the book and a lot of other stuff, it's uh, about 300 something pages. And it has to be something where if you're exhausted, um, you know, you need to throw in an extra either day off or very much tapered day. Yeah. Well, That's- thank
0: you so much, David. That's super interesting. So if um, somebody wants to train, we will send them to your Zoom link. So that way they can maybe try out one of your track workouts, as I will to myself this week. And then um, right. how is a good way for people to get in touch with you? Do you have a website or um, Instagram handle, Facebook, email, all that?
2: Uh, we do. Um, uh, we, we have info at usamarathontraining.com is my email for, for coaching and all that stuff. Um, info at usamarathontraining.com. And um, we also have a website now. We just got a new website, usa-mt.com. Uh, USA-MT.com. It's brand new. And um, there is that. And we're just starting to populate that new website. Um, So that's out there.
0: That's perfect. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate your time and all your insight.
2: Letty, thanks so much for your interest. I, I appreciate that as well. Thank you
1: for that interview. That was really interesting information. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will have some great info to take away from that. I would say what I would take away from it is that it is possible to be efficient and to break your PRs and improve in running in a group. You know, There's different pros and cons about it, and we'll go into that a little bit further. But I mean, the biggest thing I would say is that even though you are within a group, is to make your training and your run individualized. So say the workout is six 400s, you know yourself what you need to achieve in that 400 meter. So regardless of if you are in a group, you know what you need out of that workout. So keeping that in mind.
0: Yeah, that's some great... uh Take away from this, Angela, I completely agree with you because uh, not everybody, like we said before, can afford a coach and not everybody has time and um, it's still better to go out in a group and train than not doing anything and just kind of sitting on your couch. Not that you would not run, but you know what I mean. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think it helps you to to hold you more accountable. Also, it pushes you a little bit further because when you're, say you're doing that... So that 400 workout that I mentioned before. If you were to do that on your own, you're going to push yourself, yeah. But if you were in a group and you were training around other people and you had people that are faster than you and some people that are kind of at the same pace as you, you're going to push yourself that much harder when you're in that group. Yeah,
0: misery loves company. Yes, so true. (laughs) So, yeah, it's motivating. Like you said, it'll be taking you further. Maybe you'll go a little bit faster. And um, you will probably be more motivated to go out knowing that you're going to meet your friends in the evening at a track rather than it's getting... To that weather where it's colder, not here, but (laughs) for our (laughs) listeners, where it's colder and dark, it'll get dark here. And then it's so much nicer to have that company. And I mean, I guess for safety also, like we talked about in our episode last week.
1: Yes. And that accountability of of knowing that you need to meet someone or or people, they're going to know whether you showed up to that workout or not.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then another pro I think um, that you can get out of running in groups is you're less likely to skip runs. And that goes hand in hand with that whole commitment thing that once you said, okay, I'm part of this group, I'm going to continue running with everybody else as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. I know I do better when I'm running with other people.
0: Yes. And then friendships, right? I mean, you and I became friends because we started running together in essence through a run group. So. Yeah. That's uh, a beautiful thing because runners are very outgoing social people and love having other like-minded people with them that like to suffer together. Yeah. It's one, it's a great way to meet people who, like you said, who are like-minded
1: like you, you know, and they have similar goals and then we're supporting and motivating one another, encouraging. So it's great. Like this podcast is an example of that.
0: <laughs> exactly. This is for our love for running and a way for us that while injured. We can still
1: encourage and and enjoy our love of running even though we can't actually run at the moment.
0: <laughs> exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Is that a saying? It is, right? Yes. <laughs> We're a little uh, off topic. <laughs> All right. So for all the solo runners that are listeners, Angela, you just moved to Fort Myers. What did you do when you moved somewhere new? How did you find all your running friends? Because it seems like you have a ton of them now. It's actually funny. So when I first moved here and I was picking apartments,
1: I was telling a friend this before I even chose the apartment. I was looking at the surrounding area. Okay, well, where am I going to (laughs) run?
0: Oh, but that's so logical, though. Isn't that normal to do? <laughs> I know. it's It sounds normal to us, but probably
1: not to other people. <laughs> They're like, you know, where's the nearest grocery store? And oh, right. <laughs> and we're
0: like, yeah, where are we going to run? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. That is so funny, yeah, because you do look at your surroundings. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. Right away, first thing I did. But anyway, so
1: then the second thing you do is you want to start to look up Running groups and running clubs. And it's funny, when I looked that up, all the clubs that I found were in kind of surrounding areas and not the group that we're actually involved in. I never found that group. The only reason that I found the group is my probably second week here. (laughs) I I went to the first race I could find. (laughs) Oh, oh my gosh. Are you serious? Yes. So I went to one of the five Ks that were here. And I met two people involved in our group. And they were so nice and so outgoing and so sweet. And then they invited me to some of the workouts. And then I started to come and I met you and Wes. And it's
0: been great since then. So for a person that either moved to a new city or picked up running, the best thing would be, you say, just to kind of look around on the internet and see what running groups there are locally. And then I would say just show up to a race. And
1: start talking to people who are local. I think that's the probably the best way.
0: That's probably the hardest way. <laughs> yeah, but To probably. just go up and uh, chat because I can see myself starting to run a 5K and then I'm done running. It. I'm like, hey guys, did you see me finish?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're right. That is true. I guess it's a little easier if it's a smaller race. Yeah. And then, you know, when it's a smaller race and you run decent, you'll probably place in your age group. So then you can hang around, talk to the people in your age group, or even if you don't place in your age group, and you just want to hang around and for awards, that's a good opportunity to talk to people, see what kind of jerseys they're wearing or anything like that if they're affiliated with a group.
0: Mm. And for our listeners, we're in Florida, and yes, you can totally place in your age group here. Yes. Almost it's like so every possible. race. Yes. <laughs> Did you know this set too? Because I came from Los Angeles and I was always back at the pack and you moved to Florida and suddenly you're getting awards and you're winning races. Oh, yeah. Such a confidence group,
1: uh, boost. Well, for you, you're much, I mean, you're fast. I'm like middle, middle of the pack. Definitely. You're in the fast category. For Florida. Yes. No, overall.
0: Mm, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. But so that's, that's some really good tips. And then... um what other things can people do if they want to start running and find groups? Um, look for a local track club would be probably a good idea.
1: Yeah, a local track club. And then maybe even look in events and see if like there's any workouts posted. Sometimes they'll post workouts and events to get more people involved.
0: And then wasn't there a website called Map My Run or something like that? And you could see uh, different trails that people ran and then you can kind of do the same thing, I guess. You probably could.
1: I don't know how popular Map My Run is now. Because yeah. now everyone's on Strava. Yeah, you could, I guess, try to find a group on Strava as well. But I've done that. Like certain places that I've traveled, I would go on Map My Run and say, like, and look up where is a good place to run in this area. Did you find anything good? Yeah, I've done that in the past. I found
0: running routes that way. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that site still exists. That's. Yeah, it's still out there. That's good (laughs) to (laughs) know. All right. So um, our next segment and final segment for today is going to be our Brody Sharp segment with our physiotherapist from Australia. And as always, we ask him a question from one of our listeners, and he will answer it on the air. So let's make this phone call. Hey, Brody, how are you doing?
3: I'm good lady. How are you?
0: Wonderful. I have a question for you from Sarah Reese. Sarah Reese says after her run, either hard or long, she has pain on the top of her foot that takes about a week to go away. What could that be?
3: Okay. Hi, Sarah. Good question. Um, most in most cases, when I see a runner who has pain over the top of their foot, uh, the first thing I go to is, um, what their orientation is around their shoe because on the very top of your foot, you've got a lot of tendons. You've got a lot of ligaments. You've got this retinaculum that holds everything down and that they can be very prone to rubbing and be very prone to just getting irritated if they are rubbing over one another. So one thing I would look at is seeing what your shoelaces are doing. A lot of times uh, if someone does have pain on the top of their foot, some of the corrections that I make is, over that irritated area just don't tie the shoelaces as tight and then see how it feels and when you're mentioning it's usually doing during a long run or a hard run i would say the long runs there's probably more rubbing than usual as you uh just are going through more repetitions but as you're going harder and as you're hitting the ground harder that rubbing might be more excessive so uh, i would take that as a consideration i would um if you're saying it's taking about a week to settle down, that's quite a long period of time. So um, it's not just something that you can just ignore and continue doing. Um, Yeah. So that would be my first point of call. If that's still not settling things down, we might need to um, impact or might need to investigate something uh, around bony stress, like anywhere around the foot that does get sore with harder runs. We look at, see if there's any bone stress reactions. Uh, So that can be, definitely dealt with with a physician or um, a medical health professional just to rule out a a stress fracture or any bony stress because we don't want that getting too aggravated if uh, it's misdiagnosed or not picked up.
0: Wonderful. And if Sarah wants to contact you directly and maybe give you a little bit more detail, how can she reach you?
3: Uh, So I do have my website. It's breakthroughrunning.physio. So uh, I do have a contact form sheet on there if you want to uh, reach out.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Brody. You're welcome. Thank you, Brody.
1: Always providing us with great information about how we can get healthier and run better.
0: All right, guys. So let's close out the show with a few running jokes. Are you ready, Angela, for this I one? I am ready. All right. First one, random running running joke from the internet is... Um, Woke up in running clothes. Really admire drunk me and her
2: ambitions.
0: (laughs) I think some people might be able to relate to that during COVID. Yeah, I bet. I heard it's (laughs) pretty bad drinking during COVID. (laughs) Okay, next one I have
1: is, I still can't believe our husbands think it takes us two hours to run seven miles. We still have an hour left. Where do you want to go for lunch? (laughs) So true. So I guess they're going out to lunch the other hour. Chatting.
0: I mean, you never just go run.
1: Yeah, definitely. Takes a little bit longer. Lauren Fleshman tweeted that awkward moment running near a friend's house when you can't text, when you want to text them, hey, can I poop in your bathroom real quick? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Or, hey, if you are on the treadmill next to me, the answer is yes, we are racing.
0: Oh, geez. I can see you doing that. Come
1: on. How can you not? (laughs) All right. So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We look forward to hearing from you. Please like us on our multiple social media platforms. And we look forward to, well, connecting with you soon. And look out for next week's podcast. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. As always, we hope that we were able to provide you with something of value. Make sure you like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. Our account you can find under WGTR podcast. Thanks. Until next time, have a great week of running.